Hi, welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And I'm R. Neville Johnston. Welcome to the show. Uh, our show is about the idea of assisting we, the human race, we, the family of man, family of humanity, uh, to become more conscious. And every week we do a chapter on how to become a more conscious person which we're going to do this evening. And I'm going to be continuing to talk about uh, the idea of making the decision to no longer live a life of guilt and what that looks like and how to move into that. So in the meantime, we'd like to increase our consciousness about the subject of time, which brings us to the idea of discussing today in the Mayan calendar. Uh, for, I believe, the one millionth time I've heard people whine about the year 2012, so I'm going to explain this. The year 2012 represents the moment in the orbit of our solar system around the galactic center that is the apogee. It is the place furthest away from the galactic center. And from there on, we'll be moving back towards the galactic center, which is a really good thing. There's no doom and gloom. There's no end of anything. One of our uh, people on staff here made the joke that they bought a calendar that ended on December 31st, and they are thinking that there is no 2011 as a direct result. So that's uh, how silly 2012 sounds when we have this great trepidation about it. Today in Mayan is 11-tone X, which is the purveyor of information, the Jaguar priest. This is the day on which we get to see a greater consciousness. It's very much synchronous with the ethers of, of this day in particular. So, as we were saying, last week we had talked about guilt and defined guilt. And we defined guilt in a number of ways that are not commonly recognized. For example, uh, guilt is anger. Guilt is a form of anger that you are not allowed to have. I give you an example that we're all acquainted with this. In other words, when someone makes you angry and then you feel badly about it, that's what we mean by guilt. All right. The other thing that we have to explain very carefully, that uh, at this point in mankind, in people kind, we are at the point where guilt is what motivates us. In other words, you're honest not because you have integrity, not because you know what's right and wrong, not for any of those reasons. You are honest because if you're not honest, you'll feel guilty about it. You won't feel that you acted out of integrity, acted not in integrity. You will feel <coughs> that... <coughs> You'll feel guilt. You use guilt in place of a hundred thousand change points in your life. We get out of bed not to embrace such a holy and special and sacred thing as the new day. We get out of bed to keep ourselves from feeling guilty about staying in bed. Whereas if it was not guilt motivating us, we would probably certainly sleep longer because you, you have a greater integrity when you are well rested. I mean, it is that simple. 
So we use guilt to motivate ourselves because we lack the integrity to motivate ourselves directly. We do it through this unconscious little life-consuming faculty called guilt. Guilt isn't even real. The other thing we use guilt for is that it manipulates pretty well. In other words, watch this show or I'll feel so bad, then you would be guilty for not watching the show, and I'm not going to do that. If you don't want to watch the show, don't watch the show. The idea of guilt prevents us from thoughts. Guilt takes the place of thinking. And we can certainly all come up with enough life force to figure out what is the right thing to do. We don't have to have guilt standing by like this. Now, I asked last week, do you think you're ready to end guilt in your life? Do you think society is at the point where we can begin to live, a, live in a world where the motivation is about what you would love to do instead of about what you would feel guilty about not doing? See the difference in the quality of life we're talking about here? This next step up, where we no longer have to be cattle prodded by guilt, where we can just recognize and act. Very different world. Uh, We can have enough character to act in a way that is with integrity. And we don't have to have guilt to do this anymore. Uh, As we said, another thing guilt does is totally devoids your responsibility for everything. In other words, oh, I hurt you, therefore I don't have to be responsible for you. Uh, You get, it's a get out of free get-out-of-jail-free card, guilt is. I feel so badly about this. I'm already punishing myself enough. You don't have to do anything. I'll just sit here and flail on myself because I have unbelievably low self-esteem and there's no real probability of my having any self-esteem. So guilt is used in place of um, morals, used in place of so many things. vindicating yourself. You could self-vindicate instantly without guilt involved. It's called uh, mea culpa. Oh, pardon me in contemporary English, my bad. And that's what's really good about saying my bad because you are sidestepping guilt by saying that you are responsible for what happens. The other word for responsible, ironically enough, is the driver's seat. When you refuse responsibility, which is what guilt actually does, you are not responsible if you're guilty or legally insane. You are therefore sidestepping responsibility. Responsibility, if you're responsible for it, then you are in a position to fix it, to do something about it, to change it. If you're just guilty, 
you're coated in this little flesh-dissolving envelope and just sort of drizzle off into the distance there. The, the guilt, guilt has enormous effect on us. Guilt sours us. When you feel guilty about something, then you become sour about it. You can start to recognize the guilty language that we're speaking. Anybody that says you've mistaken me for somebody who cares is a, very, is a person who feels very guilty. And ironically, they feel guilty about not caring. But once you can understand the language, but it's for us to step out of this stuff. It's always for us to become the greater us. That's what the purpose of this whole program was, uh, this whole program is, to create us as a more conscious being. The other thing guilt does is provide amnesia. It keeps us from, and again, it has the opposite effect too. If you feel guilty about something that happened 15 years ago, you're keeping that alive. If you had taken responsibility for what happened 15 years ago, then you wouldn't be marauded by the guilt for it. Does all this make sense? I'm asking you to make the decision whether or not you wish to step out of being motivated by guilt and step into being motivated by your own integrity. That is to say love, or you want to just keep things the way they are, which is okay, or you want to be the only person that steps out of guilt, and then you can laugh at everyone else who's acting guilty, and believe me, it's humorous. Well, it really is. Okay. Now, uh, in relationships, guilt eases the conflict, eases the distance. Yeah, we're going, let's um, fade back into that if the control room is hearing me. And Yeah, I'd like to do a meditation right now based on this particular form. And it'll take me a minute to explain. This is a meditation I realized I was doing every time I built the Merkaba. It's every day I build the Merkaba. And uh, the meditation is very simple. Let me first ask you to draw your eye to the very center of this form. And just to take a breath in the very center of the form. And please to notice how that gets you to focus. It brings all of these elements into your life down into a single point. And that is, after all, the way it works. Because of the premise of now, while you may have 160 projects going on, you can only do one thing. You serve yourself well to recognize that you can only do one thing at one point. And there is the point. And these are the elements. Now, after a while, and quite naturally, your eye will begin to allow itself to see a bigger picture. You can get it all the way to the point where that single dot in the middle is actually, this is called the seed of life, is actually this Mandela, whatever word you would like there. But this idea of this thing being uh, an assistance to your focusing your mind and allow yourself to focus on this. And now I want to put in a premise, just stay focused. And I want to introduce the idea that your soul is a form of a focus. 
Okay. Now, when that soul focuses downward on you, see yourself from the top of your head. See yourself from your soul's point of view. Your soul is looking down on you. Allow your soul to look into your life in a very intimacy way, okay, that you can see the events of your day from your soul's point of view. Okay, and now, from God's point of view, through that same focus, see your soul from God's point of view. There's no guilt involved, there's no trepidation, there's no fear, there's a a joy, there's a love, there's, well, amusement. Okay. Now, do this on the mandala here, on the seat of life. You first focus in the center, and now look to the pedal straight down. That's your soul looking at your life. You don't have to have thoughts come in your mind. Just look at that lower pedal. Okay, now back to the center. And now look at the upper pedal. That's God looking at your soul. And in the middle is you. And the other four have other premises. Okay, so eyes in and up, down, and out, and allow yourself to be quiet for a moment. And what fills in that quietness, once you master being quiet for a moment, what fills in the quietness is, as it's been said, a whisper from God, yes, a correct answer, information from your higher self, another correct answer. So allowing yourself to become at one with the column of light that is your soul. And these are called uh, um, seed of life paintings and our um, beloved director, Donnie, will be cutting to them various throughout as I continue talking. And speaking of continuing to talk, hi caller, what's your name please? Hi Neville, this is Jessica. Jessica, what can I do for you? Well, I just had a question. I've been really been enjoying your show, especially last week's episode on guilt. Thought it was great, and oh. uh, I have a, a question not pertaining to guilt, but um, to a reoccurring dream that I have oh. uh, with a composer by the name of Chopin. Ah. Oh. So I don't know how you could interpret that. Uh, what is the dream? Oh, just that I see him, and we're in Paris, and, you know, walking around in old uh, old Paris in the 1830s, and um, it's just been sort of the same, and sometimes variations on that, and um, didn't know, I'm just wondering what you think about that. Well, there's a lot in that. Uh, Paris in the 1830s was a pinnacle of civilization. It gave birth to untold creativity that spread throughout the rest of the world. So we can understand that you are at a point in your life, 
certainly in your dream time, at a point in your life where you are about to, would we say, give birth, a delicate choice of words, we would say about to create something great. I believe this is a doorway that you are about to step through. Now, Chopin, and you listen to his music, I mm-hmm. believe, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, if you'll go, this is the being of, what's the name, and the angel of dreams, thank you, uh, is saying that if you'll allow yourself to go into a meditation while listening to Chopin, uh, doorway will open that will allow you to begin this process. Um, Jessica, what, what do you do now, if I may ask? Uh, I'm an artist in New York. Oh, okay. All right. I think you're about to come up with your, and the word is, genre. Oh, I see. Well, um, I've been an artist all of my life, and I have found that it is, um, you can spot, like, if you looked at all of Warhol's works and you were aware of the chronology of them, you could see them, let me do Picasso because it's even more apparent. If we take all of Picasso's career, and he started as a realist, and uh, we do it decade by decade by decade by decade, you can see the evolution that his style goes through. And then you could pull one particular painting and say, this is from the decade of the 1940s by the style, so forth and so on. And so each of us that begins the life of an artist does so with um, what is almost a false start. And then as time goes on, so I think your cycling is about to change. Hmm. And so it'll still be recognizable. All of them were recognizable Picassos unless you go all the way back to when he was doing realism. And the uh, same thing with Dolly, same thing with any major artist you want to name. There are change points where the style changes and then the artist explores in that new style. And then the, the thing changes. And I've seen it be in decade. And since we're about to begin a new decade, you're with me on all that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so, I'm a ballerina. I'm not a painter. Oh, well, same thing. Mm-hmm. The idea of the style of the person. Or, I don't know, Alvin Ailey is about to give you the call, however that works. (laughs) The idea that there is about to be a door opening for you to become a greater you at whatever this is. Well, that's good. Makes sense. That's the way I would interpret the dream. A door is opening. Okay, great. Yeah, excellent. Well, Thank thank you for calling. We'd love to hear from you again on the show. Is there anything else? Are we already gone? Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the idea of guilt. So the, in the, there's another one of those. Yes. Seed of life painting. In the, Okay, 
In the Protocols book, in the Self-Empowerment Protocols book, which is interesting enough, this book, there we go, uh, I, the fourth protocol is guilt puppetry, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of how we are all uh, guilt puppets, basically, that in fact the entire of our planet is uh, at the point where it is guilt that makes the world go around. I mean, I would love it if it was love that made the world go around, but really, the way we're set up, all of our motivation is to not feel guilty. Our motivation is not to create love. You can see how adverse this is to our development. So as soon as it's okay to move forward, we can begin to, well, walk like an ascension. The idea of guilt is taught to us. It's not real. You can know that guilt is not real because there isn't actually value to it. I understand that it looks like it's valuable because it is this perfect shortcut that we don't have to think about anything. We can just short it with guilt. However, that's really not doing much for us because if we were to all put down the 50 or 60 plates that we are spinning and balancing in the air, which are all these little guilts, we would find that we suddenly have enough brain space to manifest the integrity to think things out rather than, and it's a very short trip that thinking things out because we already know what's right and we already know what is not so right. So if we saw someone who lost something, we would pick it up and return it to them not to keep from feeling guilty for not returning it. We would do it because that's what you do. Because we would know how we would feel if we lost something and no one returns it. So this idea of what's right and wrong, we already know. Uh, where this guilt game came from is this inherent And we, the human race, we can deal with pain, but we are not so much about dealing with being uncomfortable. And so, because we have the word work in our vocabulary, we are always looking for work to be done and for it to be okay for us to assume the horizontal, <laughs> for us to you know, take time off as though there were the possibility. We are constantly in this little melodrama with ourselves about how uncomfortable we are and that whole mindset is how guilt managed to get such a foothold in our thought process. You can see guilt is really a totally useless thing because it keeps you from making decisions based on your integrity and it only knee-jerks these reactions to things. Now, we are taught to be guilty. We are. We're taught by our parents, who we are taught by their parents, who we are taught by their parents, etc., 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 until that one Neanderthal figured out that he wouldn't have to deal with his kids nearly so much if he made them feel guilty for doing things like stepping out in the street. Ah. I mean, stepping out in front of a dinosaur. You get my point here, that this has gone back. This is a piece of Amazonite, which is really a neat piece of Amazonite. Um, that's a, uh, 
that's a mine here in the state of Virginia. And uh, uh, there's a mine in Amelia, Virginia, uh, where you can go on a little tour, uh, which is really a lot of fun. It's kind of, hi, I'm the guy on the rock. Hi, just call me Rocky or Amazy. Uh, here we are. Okay, and then the waveform generator is uh, the Amazonite waveform generator, which has a, a very healing, very heart healing. Uh, it seems to be a green show tonight. I know these look like shades of gray on the air, but they're actually shades of green. The jacket, everything is in light green. As we said, it's not really playing on the screen. Now, and where were we? Oh, so uh, we are raised with... Um, You know that my brain thinks in trinities. Okay, so the first of the trinity that I'm going to talk about that we are born with is the ability to self-correct. We are born with the ability to self-correct. Now, I don't want to have to get bitten by some poisonous varmint in order to know not to attempt to uh, pet Saint said poisonous varmint, I can understand that from people. <clears throat> now, but I have the ability to self-correct, but I will take my ancestors' advice as well. Okay, so the ability to self-correct is taken away by the parent often. Let me just get this thought pushed through. How many people do you have to tell to take their finger out of the fire? That's none, because you self-correct almost instantly on that. All right. Now, things that would not be so apparent or could be catastrophic, we accept this numbing of our ability to self-correct by virtue of having it replaced by how upset our parents are. Okay. Now, on the advanced planets, there's a ceremony where the correcting of us is taken back. The buttons that were installed that we would call guilt are removed via ceremony. And I believe in a year or so I'll be able to do that ceremony in particular. Although that's on its way. All right, so the ability to self-correct, taken away. Okay, now we still have the ability to self-correct, but because of the huge volume of guilt that exists in our society, the wait person, that's a person who waits, a waiter, that's right, or a waitress, the wait person has to tell us that that plate in front of us, the one with the flaming flesh on it, they have to say that it's hot because they really can't trust or won't trust our ability to self-correct. They, they have to tell the customer that the plate is hot because otherwise they could be sued by a disgruntled and burnt customer and would therefore be fired. So the whole guilt thing, see the, the idea that you would be fired can never be regarded as a good idea. Although how many times has that been the best thing that could have possibly happened and again, we're defragging guilt from another point of view. Okay, the ability to self-correct, 
which makes the phone ring. I like that about the ability to self-correct. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hey, my name is Alex. Alex, what can we do for you? Hey, I just had this dream, and it was mm -hmm. with me and my cat, Max, and All we right. were, like, flying, and it was so cool. And I was just wondering, like, what do you think that means? Well, all dreams that have to do with flying represent the freedom that we don't feel that we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in feeling that you're not free, and this is very much what the show is about, we are all slaves on this planet, and I use the word slave, we're slaves. We doubt more than we do anything else. We are held prisoner by how much money we do or don't have. Even if you have a huge amount of money, you're still being held prisoner by it. And uh, the idea of Max, there's uh, recently saw a tarot deck that was the cat deck. So the oh. cat was flying with you as a companion, let us use the word angel, but we could certainly say a feline companion. You are so bonded with Max through the heart chakra, through the feelings you have about your companion that the cat came along with you in the dream. And I would say that the cat was experiencing the same thing in the cat language in the cat's dream because the auric field around a human being is not that a cat auric field is necessarily smaller, just that the human auric field seems to have a greater capacity for causing things to experience. So I believe your dream caused Max to have a very similar dream. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, through that whole thing. So um, let me just ask if anybody else has anything to say. You've known Max in a number of past lives uh, who has taken different animal forms. Um, but that's another whole story. Alice, is there anything else I can do for you? Okay. All right. Now, we're talking about the three things we come in with. The first, the ability to self-correct. And because our parents love us, they demure that a good deal. And... The second thing we are, it turns out that we're demurred on it a good deal. The second thing we're talking about is our ability to meditate. And a child's name for meditation is daydreaming. And that's taken away by the teacher, as a general rule, uh, who says, don't make me write daydreaming on your report card. Uh, and so our ability to join with our soul, with God, with all of that, all of the realms that are up there, is taken away when our ability to daydream is uh, diminished. Okay. And then the third thing that is taken away by guilt is our ability to recognize stranger danger, sinister minister, um, 
don't take candy from strangers, all of these things that um, the parents use to protect the child, get the child to protect itself, which keeps the child from, which initializes guilt in the child, etc. You see where we're going with all this. So it is possible to get back your ability to self-correct. And that is simply by becoming more alert, by becoming more aware. Oh, isn't that a cute spider? Uh, Yes, it is. One moment, I'll just dial into the net. No, that one's got a lot of juice. You don't want that one. (laughs) Cute spider that it is, and and radiate it maybe, and then it can bite me. But no, no, let's just do away with that spider does not serve me well. I'll coax it into going on a three-by-five index card and then take it out. We only have four-by-seven, fine. Four-by-seven, oh good, there's more room for the spider, and we take it outside, and there the deal is done. Okay. Or maybe that wasn't, you see what I'm saying. Okay. So our ability to self-correct. We have the ability to self-correct. It numbs by guilt. You know how um, there's a certain point in adolescence where you take your skateboard and go into <laughs> downhills at a very rapid speed through, etc. All of that's the rebellion against. It's possible. We really, as a, as a race, could set up that thing that at a certain point in your life there's a ceremony to reinstate your authority within you. Today I am my own authority on that particular, because we are our own authority. That's another thing that goes away with guilt. We are so corrected by everyone and everything our entire life long that we lose sight with the idea that we are the authority. I am the one that makes my legs move when the boss tells me to go get that. I do that, not the boss. We get so dummied that we think it's the boss's idea. Or we get the idea that we're at work and therefore cannot possibly be enjoying our lives. All of this would fade away. So the reinstating the ability to meditate, let me do that in an inspirational way. When you see the bigger picture, you then know how to act down here in the smaller picture. Therefore, meditation, seeing the bigger picture, provides us with more character. He's got a lot of character. He knows what to do. You got that, right? There's your motivation to meditate. A motivation to meditate is that you will get a greater scope of understanding. You'll get the big picture, which will allow you to more easily figure out the little picture, we deal in, hi, I'm here in the little picture in your living room. Hi. <coughs> Figure out the little picture down here where we are, or in this case, in here where we are. And the third thing, oh, to recognize. Jeez, that's, that's an enormous one. And I always teach that with a story. Dude, you're standing on a, a railroad track. Yeah, I know. Uh, did you know there's a train coming? Well, yeah. Uh, you going to do anything about that? Nobody told me to do anything. 
dude, you've got the authority to move. Well, what do I have to say? Move? You're going to get hit by a train. Well, fine. Go ahead, get hit by a train. There you go. Either you moved and you have reinstated your own ability to recognize, or you did not move and you are in the process of choosing what your next lifetime is going to be about, which is uh, more than likely going to have something to do with trains. Just trains from a different point of view. You could be the engineer and go, oh, that damn fool's there. I'll blow the horn. He's still there. Well, I can't stop this thing. Well, he's still there. What am I supposed to climb outside on the cow catcher and bat his dumb ass out of the way? We don't even have cow catchers. Have you seen a modern train? When was the last time a train caught a cow? Who thinks of these things? Yeah, now there's a future life to play with. It can be a passenger on the, in the train. Splat, what was that? I don't know. Had a tattoo, whatever it was. <laughs> okay, all right. So guilt and the idea of setting ourselves up to be no longer motivated by guilt, motivated by what we already have. The ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. We've already got that ability. We don't have to have that argument. We don't have to have that discussion anymore. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. We are inherent in our integrity because everybody that that ever did anything that they knew was wrong and then punished themselves by guilt knew better in the first place. All right, the civilization is not ready, you win. There you go. Live in guilt. See if I'm interested. I'll go on my own way. There we go. Or we can start this. We can do this. We can be motivated by what I said uh, earlier on in the show. uh, Such a sacred thing as a day. What would you do with a day? We have... um, God, I forget how many days I've been alive. It's been a while now. I used to count. But uh, you can figure it out by figuring out how old you are and multiplying that number by 365. You've had that many opportunities. Well, there were a few all-nighters in there, but nonetheless, you've had that many portals to experience. A very good thing. Now, we said earlier on that Guilt is manipulation, and I will state that all manipulation is guilt manipulation. In other words, if you were not put to sleep by guilt, you could not be manipulated. And uh, guilt and lack are good friends, to say the least. We could say cousins, but they're both evil, so they would be just cousins. But lack of self-esteem and self-worth Uh, These are things we don't have so much. There is a a form of guilt that is uh, being guilty about... I said that guilt keeps the past alive. These ideas fly out of the pages at me. There's um, a form of guilt about about how you look. Okay? What your body looks like, and we all feel guilty about our body, when I first found out that anorexics think that they could lose some weight, it began to sink in on me that it's not what your body looks like, 
It's the way you think about what your body looks like. And then I realized, rather than thinking that I had a gut, that I had a Buddha belly. And that became, that just put it in a different place in my mind. Having a gut, you're guilty. Having a Buddha body, nah, no guilt involved. See, the, the difference between beating yourself up and having integrity and how you're mind is given to flight when you leave the world of guilt. There's a form of guilt based on the idea of being happy. As though if you're happy, that means other people won't be happy because you're happy. This makes a lot of sense, right? Well, not when you say it out loud. Okay, well, we can call Bob Marley in on that one. And uh, the quote is, don't worry, be happy. I'll tell you, the only thing is happiness. Uh, We'd like to believe that there's happiness and unhappiness, but really, it's all happiness. Because people that are chronically unhappy seem to be happy that way. And in the brief moments where they're not unhappy, where they're happy, they're unhappy about being happy. I mean, this is the sort of thinking they offer here on the planet Earth. This is a beautiful quartz crystal ball that seems to have three teeth and two eyes, but nonetheless is um, uh, the engine of the um, waveform generator that's behind me. See the little ball there? Oop, there it is, on the top of my head. It is actually how my head looks. Okay. Only I have all this hair on it, so I can't really see. So the idea that you could be happy without being guilty, what do you think? Think you can do that? Happiness? How about it? Yeah? Does that mean if you're happy, someone else has to be unhappy? There's a guilt word, a bully word, ha- uh, has to be. Nobody has to be. Everybody makes their own choice about everything that happens. There is no such thing as a victim. Now, victim and guilt are certainly cousins, but there's no such thing as a victim. And I have proven it so many times on this show. There's no such thing as a victim. Everybody chooses everything that happens in their life. That is because we have free will. Free will means choice. Free will means you choose everything that happens in your life. Thinking that someone else chooses it for you is deluded, is not real. I'll do the premise again. Katrina had only participants. There were no victims. You participated in Trina by loading everything you could in your car and driving to higher ground as quickly as you could. Or you participated in Katrina by saying, holy smoke, look at all that water. Or you participated in Katrina by using it to invite your next incarnation into process. But there were no victims. There's no such thing as a victim. Everybody chooses everything. So, 
guilt and victim are both completely false premises. The other thing about guilt is that it's not real, it's fabricated, it doesn't exist, and there is no upside. Even anger has an upside. Anger marks the point at which you're no longer willing to put up with whatever the noise is. And speaking of noises, here comes the duck. Speaking of ducks, here's Alan. Duck. Give me the duck. Oh, here come the duck. Thank you, duck. Oh, that's a good duck. And a quote from Andrew Carnegie, uh, he who cannot reason is a fool, he that will not reason is a bigot, and he that dare not reason is a slave. Thank you, Andrew and Alan. And that's very well put. If you refuse to reason, you are a slave. And we are laying down the idea that guilt, and we've proven it in a very reasonable way. We have used logic. Guilt is not real. It's not open-ended. Guilt does nothing other than to diminish, dull, sour, and putrefy us. It doesn't do us any good. Love, on the other hand, is infinite potential. No one has ever been able to put a cap on the word love. You can climb to the top of Mount Everest and take that breath that is the top of Mount Everest and still have potential, still have things that could be done that were greater. It might take a while to get down off the mountain to begin the next project, but nonetheless, just capless, without a ceiling, there's laziness, guilt, we've already talked about. You, use, you motivate yourself. See, laziness is the idea that someone else's opinion of you is more important than your opinion of you. And then when you start to sell, call yourself lazy, that's kind of down the tubes all the way around. The, many years ago, I came up with the idea of the universal edit. In other words, if something's not supposed to happen, for some reason I just forget <clears throat> that the appointment was ever made or that I was supposed to be there, and you would feel guilty because you forgot. We really, it's really a good idea to get over that. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the incentive for guilt is another one that's trapped between your ears. The incentive for guilt is attention. If you are guilty, you get attention. Uh, other than O.J., name somebody else who was declared innocent by the court. We can start with Galileo to, to begin our list of people who were found guilty by the court. We, we seem to be obsessed with guilt. No kidding, really. You think the human race is actually going to get over it in the next decade? Yeah, there's this, possibly, I'll, I'll be an optimist and say yes. Ah, thank you. Good. Can we have some angels in on this? It is coming. Can you imagine a world free of guilt where everybody does what they do because they would love to do it, not because they are guilty of not having enough to do it, not for any of, that everything is done because of an expanse, 
instead of a shutdown code. Can you imagine that? Are you willing to participate in this? Are you willing to be the person who begins to um, eradicate guilt out of the beingness of us? What do you think? Yes? No? Maybe? I'm working on it myself. In order to eradicate guilt, we have to unmask it. We have to be able to recognize it. We have to... And then once we recognize it, we can begin to edit it out of our process. And then if we do the ceremony for our children that while we love them and don't want them to drown and etc., whatever the child might get into, where the child might hurt itself, this idea of taking care of the child that way, but without doing it in the way that we do it, and then at a certain age in the child's life, we take that child and free them from their guilt so that they can begin a life of beautiful creativity. Okay. It is all right to rethink, to retrain, to reprogram. I use the expression guilty up or dummy down. Ask you to choose between free will and victimhood. And replacing guilt with love. And even loving those, and I can do this one really well, as this split begins in humanity, where people are accountable but not guilty, where people are responsible and not guilty, not swept away in that way. When we begin to eradicate guilt from our kind, uh, that'll be the day, something I look forward to. In, in that time slot, we will love those that feel guilty and not love out of the sense of feeling badly for them. Oh, I love you, you poor thing. Love them out of saluting them for their choice to remain motivated by guilt instead of motivated by integrity. And ironically, it would take a lot of integrity to agree to an incarnation in which you were motivated by guilt instead of by integrity. And you can see how that's a beautiful loop and it's still just going on. Uh, If you're out and about tonight and there's anything um, that you might like to ask me or any of the rest of us, we're going to be meeting at uh, Ruby Tuesdays, roll the R, Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle uh, after the show. There's a few minutes left to the show, but if you feel like it, come meet us there. And um, this recognition of um, either, that one's a neat one for the very center of it is the background color to it. And oh, we have a caller. Hi, caller, what's your name, please? Hi, Neville. This is Mona from California. Mona from California. Hi. Yes. Uh, hi. I just wanted to call in and tell you, I actually called in last week when you started the conversation on guilt, 
Mm -hmm. And, um, boy, I have to tell you, I've had some amazing things happen this past week, and I'm so glad you're continuing the conversation. Um, I have had um, this issue with guilt about different things that have actually gone, extended through past lives. Oh, yeah. Several of them. And because of your show last week, I was able to pick out why I've been hanging on to the guilt. And it was interesting. It was something that I didn't even recognize I was doing. I was holding on to it because I didn't want to take responsibility. Correct. And, uh, yeah, so it was holding me back. It was keeping me in a place, and it was an excuse not to move forward. So once I recognized that, it was instantly I was able to just get rid of the guilt, it was gone, and just be able to move forward. And it's such a freeing feeling and experience. Oh, thank you very much. Well, and, and I'm just so excited. And, and um, are you taking, or is this uh, conversation continued in your, in your most recent book? <laughs> yes. Okay, because I noticed you do have it there. So, um, and where can we purchase the book? Uh, that's on Amazon.com, and also you can go directly to AuthorHouse.com. And if you want to contact me, I'll send you a um, uh, signed copy of it. Oh, that would be awesome. Great. Yeah. I'll absolutely do that. And again, I just want to tell you that the, the shows have been amazing. Um, well, thank you. And I'm so excited to be part of the group that is on the train to eliminate guilt from our lives. And I'm just so happy and looking forward to that. Oh, thank you for saying and doing that. And get up uh, groups and beat people for being guilty. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Neville. Goodbye. Uh, Mona, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Yeah, the, the guilt tends to hold itself in place because we bring this false paradigm into it stating that if I'm guilty, that I'm putting myself through some sort of purification. And uh, and that's not true. That's just totally a lie. It's the guilt putting us to sleep, and that's how that lasted through any number of past lives. Um, The 26th of... I've changed subjects. Really? What's the new subject? I'm doing a talk on Trinities at Unity Church in Charlottesville on the 26th of September, Uh, Mary will be there also. Mary will be talking about emotional healing. Um, She'll be doing a a seminar there herself um, uh, past that point. But uh, that's uh, one of the many things that's going on that's very interesting. We have, um, we've talked a little bit about the body of guilt, meaning that, um, let me just do away with the um, body of guilt for you right away. Every human being showed up in precisely the correct body for them to get what it is that they have come here to get vis-a-vis their evolution. There's nobody that is not in the perfect body, from Brad Pitt to whoever the opposite of Brad Pitt might be. And I I know there are a number of people that would proudly step up to take that spot. Uh, Now, we're about to go. Thank, honor, love, and praise you. Uh, give us an email. Let us uh, hear some feedback on all this. There's still more, and it will print as soon as the camera goes off. I'll remember exactly what it was. But I was Come see us at Ruby Tuesdays if you're not doing anything. If you're seeing this on the archives or you're seeing this on some other part of the planet, well, 
I want to express my gratitude for your watching and want to say adios amigos. Thank you.